You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer, and as always, here with Bart Kaler, where each week we interview higher ed marketers that we admire for the benefit and the betterment, hopefully, of the entire higher ed community. Today, we have a conversation with Nate Jorgensen. He is the Senior Director of Academic Marketing and Communications at Miami University of Ohio, and we have a very authentic conversation with him about using authentic storytelling for increasing yield. And Bart, I think you agree that when talking to Nate, he is always informative, but also he brings information in a fun way. And I'm so glad that he's unveiling some of the creative work that they're doing at Miami of Ohio. And, you know, this is the second time Nate's been on the podcast, and we've got a few people that, you know, some of our earliest ones, Ethan Braden, Jamie Hunt, and Nate did not disappoint today. I think that uh, he's doing some really creative things around the, you know, storytelling that's programmatic around different programs and academic um, majors and things. And so I really like the way he kind of, you know, opens up the, you know, the kimono and shows us what's going on at at Miami University and the success they're seeing. I mean, 90% open rate is is tremendous. And so he's going to talk about that and, and kind of unpack some of the success that they're seeing. And so a lot of really practical tips in this episode. Yes, and I also like the answer that he gave to our final question of a piece of advice that we always ask our guests, so please stay until the end. Yeah. Here's our conversation with Nate Jorgensen. Nate, we're delighted that you accepted the second invite to be a guest here on the Higher Ed Marketer podcast, and you know the drill, so if you would, please share a story or something that you've learned recently that you think would fall into the fun or interesting bucket? Yeah, thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me. Working on a campus and working at a place like Miami University offers a lot of benefits. And I just came from, uh, I say, helping coordinate an interview. I stood in the background while everyone else did the work. (laughs) But the, the team was interviewing the CMO of Shake Shack. And of all that, he's an alum of Miami. He's a communications alum uh, from the 90s. The one piece of advice he gave everyone was to focus on being uh, curious. Mm-hmm. And he pointed to the, the speech that Ted Lasso gave in, uh, in the, one of the episodes and just said how that says it about as well as he can say it. Um, but just someone like him who is so successful, he was at Bank of America, and, um, you know, an angel investor, unbelievably successful being curious is the is the main thing that he suggests and i'm I'm going to take that forward well i'm a ted lasso fan so that makes me very curious and uh there's a lot of (laughs) wisdom that comes out of that show and i would love to let the listeners know a little bit of background i had the pleasure of running into nate 
at the AMA conference back in November and was telling him that Bart and I would love to have him back on the show. He said, well, there's something that I'm working on. Maybe if we touch base at the latter part of the spring, once we have the results of it, and then I'll have something to talk about. And what I believe is the project, Nate, that you just finished up of using user-generated content for enrollment marketing. And if you would, give the audience a, an overview of the project that you just executed. Yes, absolutely. So when I started here about a year and a half ago, one of my first questions as the director of academic marketing was kind of who's responsible for what and you know if if enrollment's down or up who who gets either the the blame or the 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 uh the celebration and uh that took a little bit of figuring out mm -hmm. and then uh, the answer kind of came back around to it's the perfect thing for for me and and my great team to tackle and uh, at least as part of it on the marketing side. So uh, one of the first things that we have been trying is to send program specific or major specific yield emails to, uh, to admitted students. And it's been a really fun process uh, with our five different uh, colleges. They each did it a different way. I definitely gave them the freedom to do it because all their jobs are so different and some of them sent a lot and some of them sent, sent just a few and some were wildly successful and others that we, we learned a lot from. So uh, finding stories to go along with those, we wanted to tell first person student stories as much as possible. Being on a podcast, I can say that we have a podcast that we're really trying to, to do good things with in that way to help incoming college students make the best decisions that they can and know all the details that they should know perhaps going in. And so there were quite a few episodes of that podcast where if it were an art history major, we were able to share that with all the potentially incoming art history majors. Mm -hmm. And in that case really showed how you can apply an art history major, which not everyone thinks of off the top of your head, but um, we at, at liberal arts institutions definitely uh, know takes place. So it's been a great experience and a great first year just to gather a lot of data. I love that, uh, that perspective because, I mean, it's kind of taking the idea of personalization, which I think is sometimes underutilized. I think when people talk about personalization, sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do that. We put their name on the direct mail piece and, and you know, we'll, we'll drop in the program they've been interested in. But I really like the fact that you've kind of taken it much deeper and probably what I would argue – you know, you're tying it a lot closer to emotional aspects of, of what they're thinking about. I mean, it's kind of a fun time in, in a person's life when they're trying to dream about their future. And you're actually helping them kind of think and imagine that through these emotional storytellers. So, I mean, is that is that part of your strategy? And ha have you seen some, you know, some subjective you know results of that? Yeah, that would, uh, you know, that's something that I hope we're doing. One of the things that I learned, and Troy, you brought up the AMA conference, I went to a panel discussion there from current seniors at area uh, Washington, D.C. high schools. And I would imagine these are just like almost the best of the best the nation yeah. <laughs> has to offer as far as uh, high school seniors go. And so we were all talking to them the way that we do in, in, in higher ed marketing. 
you know, what do you know? What, what are you thinking? And the thing that just kept coming back and just slapped me right in the face was they are not sure and they're mm -hmm. scared and they're uncertain. And that was just such an eye-opening experience for me. Ever since then, I've been trying to steer some of our content or at least find it when it's available to tell that story of students who were equally uncertain, equally scared, equally unsure of what their major should be and change their major and things didn't go as planned and still turned out tremendously successful uh, in what they wanted their college experience to be. Those are always my favorite stories. That's how I was as a college student. I wouldn't say wildly successful at the end, but uncertain and scared for sure. And so if I can see someone who's not the national scholar in a story, but a more someone who I identify with, that's really helpful. Uh, that would have been really helpful to me at that age. And uh, I hope that helps some students out there that we're reaching out to. Yeah, I think that sometimes the idea of starting with empathy, I think when we do marketing, sometimes we get so, you know, we get so caught up on, hey, we got to make sure we get the benefits in there. We got to make sure that we, you know, get the details of the program in there and, and double check that and triple check that. And, you know, is this accurate for accreditation? We get so caught up in some of the, the minutiae that we forget to just stand back and be empathetic and say, Oh yeah, I remember being in that spot. I I remember that fear. I remember those butterflies and be able to kind of address that because that builds the trust. And I think that without the trust, it gets commoditized. And I think that's part of what we have to deal with, especially with the enrollment cliff and with the drum beats of of, you know, education isn't worth it. There's, you know, other ways to go. We've got to be more creative and I think empathy is one of those. Is is that kind of what you're thinking on and seeing in your team? I, I totally agree with that. And um, just, you know, leaning into all of that, all of that uncertainty, and there is uncertainty. And, you know, actually, a, a college education is a great anecdote for that mm -hmm. in so many ways. But, you know, for the right people, too, it, it's right. worth having the worth having the conversation and at least seeing what a, a school has to offer. And what you said is, is 100% right, too. Like, if they're scared of going away from home, and you're talking to them, about intramural sports you know they're not interested in hearing about intramural sports at that time it, you you should be uh if you know talking to them about what can make them comfortable there um how they are going to be homesick uh, and that's okay mm -hmm. and that's a real eye-opening message for incoming students i think because you hear so many i think they hear so many horror stories about oh i was so homesick and it didn't work out. And I think if you just know that going in, like has been more of the message recently in our industry, mm -hmm. I think that's super helpful. So Nate, as you're kind of going through this, I know one of the trends right now is kind of that user generated content, you know, being able to kind of leverage that because it does kind of create that, that authenticity. It creates the trust. It creates the empathy, especially when you've got user generated content. So how are you kind of you know tapping into that, especially when you're asking students or asking faculty to participate in this? Yeah, that that is almost like the holy grail that <laughs> yeah. we try to get to. And it's it's so much harder than you think it's going to be going in. And, you know, you always have these grand plans of, oh, it's going to be this blog by this, you know, student and, and faculty. And it's always so much slower moving than that. And I've started out with really encouraging that as much as possible within the colleges. Our, our somewhat central podcast that we do uh, 
ends up going throughout all the colleges, mm -hmm. but then we can kind of tailor the, the questions and everything based on the th things we mentioned before. And having the students answer without a script their their answers to those questions and how they feel about those those things and their experiences at the university. I said this last time I was on your podcast, and I think it was the one thing that, that caught fire a little bit was that no one wants to hear from me. And that is 100% true. No one wants to hear from a 43-year-old guy uh, sitting in an office. They want to hear from someone who's experiencing it yeah. and knows what they're talking about. And I was just talking about someone today on our data team about trying to get more faculty, even to just link their social profiles to some of the messages that we send out the the opportunities there for them to just genuinely show the things that they're interested in that right. they're doing we have a sport a leadership and management program that's awesome and they go to europe and they visit every uh soccer stadium speaking of ted lasso and he documents all of it and it's on his linkedin and it's on his twitter and like if a student who was interested in that just got attached to that that student would be able to ask questions oh yeah you know make comments uh that is something that we need to be doing soon and uh, i'm going to keep driving at it with with all of the realities of of what you know that that struggle can look like at times uh in my mind, sometimes you have to find some superstars just willing right. to give it a try, use them as a showcase for for what can happen and uh, and then go from there. And hopefully it, it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, and I just want to pick up a little bit on, on what you're talking about with the authenticity, because I was on a, a campus this past week doing a, doing some work and um, I was talking to the marketing team and we were talking about this whole idea of authenticity. And and they said, yeah, it's always been amazing to us that we did these highly produced pieces that, you know, we brought in the film crew and we recorded all this. But at the end of the day, the things that somebody shot on their iPhone perform so much better. Why is that? And I'm like, it's because it's authentic. That's what students consume every day via TikTok and shorts and reels is this authenticity of everything else that they're looking at. So when they see something that's polished, they don't trust it. And so we've got to kind of get in that, you know, in that mindset. And so I'm just curious. I mean, is that what you're finding too? Because I, I, sometimes we get pushback. It's like, oh, we couldn't do that. That doesn't represent our academic brand. And you guys have a very strong brand. So how do you guys deal with that? Yeah, and that is a challenge because we have you know a very traditional brand as well that we're always in marketing trying to push uh, out there uh, in those kind of ways. And uh, people are open to it. It's not like it's a, it's a complete challenge. But I, I remember the a couple of years ago when funny or die was was really big they uh they had a, a random video that just blew up and i can't i think it was about a history subject or something like that and so they got really excited about it and so they hired like jim carrey and will ferrell and all of these other famous actors and brought them in and that video got nothing and it was just the magic of that first video and so whether it's authentic maybe because it's just found its way to you it's probably good yeah it's it's something worth taking a look at and hopefully using and some of the stuff that you make whether it's super high quality well lit and everything it's just you know the 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 attachment isn't there and then other stuff just hits and you yeah. don't always know and i think just putting it out there in a reasonable way based on your your resources is uh is a really good way that i like to look at it 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, and on the topic of user-generated content, that is authentic. I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation that we had with Memory Fox back in January with, you know, they were on the podcast and they've got a tool that basically allows people to, you know, send out an email and ask people to submit content via their, you know, cell phone or whatever. And it's, you know, it's going to be raw. You're going to have some stuff that's pretty rough, but it's going to be authentic. And so, you know, being able to have a collection of things that you can draw from, you know, I think I, I was watching TV last night and I think there's a new Tide commercial that um, basically is they've they've taken these classic memes that we all see on on social media. But they, you know, somebody fallen in the in the mud and they've got their spokesperson, you know, superimposed into the video like it's a home video. But, you know, they're they're saying, I'm going to need more Tide, going to need more Tide. And I think that that's a that's. That's corporate America. That's PNG looking at the trending of authentic and putting themselves in that. And so I always like to look at what's corporate doing because they're spending a whole lot more than we are in higher ed. Um, let's let's kind of take a page from their playbook and say, yeah, there might be something here. So I, I really appreciate you kind of unpacking all that. Yeah, thanks. And 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 I think too, like it really does just take guts at times to to put something out there and be willing to put your your name on it. Our our CMO, Jessica Ravinia, says that or has said it in recent meetings, like writing stories, putting your stuff out there, having your name in the byline, writing taglines for ads. It takes guts because people are going to have opinions on it. And you, <laughs> exactly. People don't really know that or maybe don't understand that going in. And I think once you get comfortable doing that, just like maybe an athlete gets more comfortable with the pressure that's always there. And you know that when you miss, it's probably not going to be the end of the world either. If you're making good stuff and, and trying new things, you're going to miss too. And that's, I, I hope that people I work with and, and people who are starting out out there understand that, that there's real value in that. Yeah, it's almost you have to put the reps in and you have to, I mean, putting the reps in is where you're going to go. So great. We are appreciative of you describing in how you're creating these wonderful experiences and journeys for your prospective students within your marketing, but would really be curious to know if you're tracking the results of those. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those results of the content you're putting out or some of the yield emails that we referred to earlier. It really surprised me when we all started talking about this recently, and I looked back and finally got around to getting all of the data together, which I should have been doing all along, but things, other things happen. <laughs> uh, and so we ended up sending 67 emails uh, across all the divisions. Uh, so each one of those was pretty much to a specific major. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we grouped them together, like the humanities or art and art history. Mm -hmm. uh, it ended up being a total of about 23,000 emails sent. Mm -hmm. And the really interesting thing that I think happened was that the opens were about 21,000, a really good, you know, wow. whatever, 90% that is. And the total opens was 77,000. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of CC'd parents yep. and parents who are forwarding it and things like that that are then opening it and getting more of a reach. So that more than anything else lets me know that we're on to something there. And uh, just to keep cranking that up more and more. And, you know, our unique click rates were really good around five, 5% and, and unique clicks to open rates were around 5%. So 
as far as our numbers go, those are good. And so now this is something I, you know, in, in my position, I try to keep in front of people, remind people this is something that is helpful and that we can be doing. And uh, I, I'm not through anyone else's fault. I think you always just kind of fall back into what you've done in the right. past. And, and I really want to take it in this direction that's, again, personal. And it's a story told by a student. And it's tailored in some way to that recipient. They know why they're getting it. Right. And just remind everybody, again, these were yield emails. So this is kind of between accepted and deposited. That's right. Uh, our uh, acceptance date is in December. And around January is when we started sending them. So the, they're actually still going out right now um, because they go out according to date, uh, the number of days after a certain event. So, uh, so yeah, that's been it's been really interesting to track over time. Really, really happy with the results. And I like that. And I'm just going to point this out for the audience because sometimes I think, you know, it's worth mentioning. Uh, I think sometimes when we look at the funnel. Um, for for higher ed, you know, we've got the perspectives, we've got the inquiries, we've got the applicants, you know, there's there's all the funnel pieces, you've got to sell every point of the funnel. And I think sometimes people forget they're like, Oh, well, we did our search campaign at the top of the funnel. You know, we've got so many applications, we're really, you know, high fiving it all the way. But you know what, you got to keep selling. And, you, and you've got to do it timely. And I really appreciate what you said there, Nate, is that you're still sending them out because they're based on so many dates after they've been accepted. And it's like produce in the supermarket. I mean, if you don't if you don't grab it when it's ripe, it's going to rot pretty quick. And that's so true because I'm working with a lot of small schools right now that, you know, hey, it's May. We're getting a little nervous. We're not. We look like we're going to not hit our numbers. What are we going to do? Well, all of a sudden we're we're scrambling to try to convince somebody who was accepted back in in February to come. And and it's 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 an uphill battle. I mean, and so. If as much as you can to put things in place, especially for fall 24, as you're thinking about this and, you know, I'm sure somebody's listening to this in the fall of 25 because podcasts can be listened at any time. But the point is, is that put something in your plans so that you have things built on timeframes, built on, you know, automated so that these things can happen at the at the optimum time. And so and I'm sure that's a big part of the reason that you have a 90 percent open rate is because it's timely and, and it's like, hey, you know, I just got my acceptance package. I'm excited. I'm not sure where I'm going to go, but now I'm still considering everything. I, I think that's a critical point just to make for everybody. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully the prospective student notices that, oh, this isn't just a generic, you know, right. rec center yeah, uh, show off email that they, they, they know what I'm interested in. And, and I would say for, for anyone out there considering it, like, just, just start with one program, start with one email with one program um, and just see, see what happens. It's, it's worth at least getting the numbers to see if there's anything there. And maybe it is with certain programs and maybe it isn't. That's something we're still figuring out, but um, it's, it's a really fun process. And, and you'll, I've noticed along the way, there's just a lot of interesting insights that you pick up along the way that make you want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, this is for the audience. You're not, you're not too small to be able to do something like this. And again, you know, Nate's doing a lot of this at Miami University, and I, I, I never want anybody because I know I've got a lot of small colleges that listen as pro professional development to this podcast. Grab your iPhone, go buy a $20 Lavier mic on Amazon, plug it in, ask a student to tell their story, and you know, throw it into MailChimp. Just start doing something. 
I don't want to hear people saying, well, if I had the budget like Nate did, I could do something like this. Well, just figure it out and do it. <laughs> That's such a good point. I, I started out as a sports information director at the division three level, small, you know, small college mm-hmm. level. And I would say I, I did my best innovation then with absolutely nothing and, you know, found ways to to have scores automatically sent out to the to the parents list after mm-hmm. a game. And this was back before you could watch the game streaming because I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> but that if you're in a situation like that, there's even more opportunity yeah. because there's nothing that there's not as much that you're fighting against and you right. can try new things. And there's not as much red tape that you have to go through to get, exactly. to get that done as well. Nate, in an earlier conversation, you spoke very positively about the type of creative problem-solving thinking that was going on within your team or uh, around campus, and you were very excited about a new creative director that came on board and just some of the things that have transpired from that. would like to know if you would share some of those positive outcomes here on the podcast. Thanks for bringing that up. Our creative director's name is John Rizzo, and uh, he goes by Rizzo. That's what he always has to tell people right away. So I have to say that for him. (laughs) But he comes very much from the industry world, from the agency world, and is very, very tied into trends and the styles that things should be right now. And he started about a year ago. So I had maybe six months without him here, and then a year now with him here. And holy cow, it is amazing to see what he has done. And especially on a campus, getting people bought into a brand is really hard. There's skepticism across the board. There's we've heard this before across the board. And that's true to a a certain extent. And to have someone who can work with people and not dictate rules down to people and find creative solutions for things, I've had my meetings with, uh, in my role, I'm meeting with the academic people a lot, meeting with the colleges, meeting with the deans, meeting with their communication directors. And things changed after he started. And when they realized this person's gonna get us what I need and he's gonna make the tweaks that he needs to make, but he's not gonna be unrealistic about it. And whatever a place can do to to have someone in that creative position of, um, you know, what people will say is the brand police. But I, what he has proven to me, and I haven't even said this to him, is that it doesn't have to be that way. And you will still stay on brand. And it's just been amazing. That's great. And, and I think that that's, you know, so important because I think that too many times – we get caught up on that brand police. We get caught up on, you know, the rules and, and uh, you know, and I, I had a conversation, you know, earlier this week at a different school. It seems like I'm talking about all my work this week, but at a different school, we were talking about, you know, well, that doesn't really fit into our brand, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, brand guidelines are guidelines. And sometimes you have to break the brand to get what we need to get across. And it sounds like, you know, Rizzo is one of those guys that's willing to kind of think creatively about that creativity i think sometimes people think about oh that's just uh that's just arts and crafts type of things but i think creativity also expands into how do we solve problems i mean how how is that kind of being lived out in the environment there that is um, a great question for right now because right now what we're doing that uh, has never done 
been done before here we know for sure is that we've gone around and talked to all of the colleges asking them for their specific goals for fy24 and most of them are enrollment goals others are fundraising goals and awareness goals but just getting that having that conversation ahead of time we went into those meetings kind of uh uh, admitting that, hey, last year we were kind of doing projects and then as stuff came up from, from you all, we were you know scrambling around to get it done as best as we can. And now we're going out ahead of time, getting those priorities built into the work that we're already doing. And like one, one simple example is that like we have a, an amazing writing center here that helps students, faculty, everybody. It's called the Howell Writing Center they wanted to do some publicity very deservedly so and we do a lot of peer marketing we do a lot of you know the standard postcards which you know we would all love to get away from but then so we had those spots anyway and we made one of those spots into the how writing center promotion um part of their promotion mm -hmm. and so when people start seeing those things happen when it's really no extra work for anyone right the relationships across campus which is really what i focus on a lot and what is is always the big challenge with a lot of this that stuff means so much and it really does like if, if grease the wheels is the right expression like if you can show a couple of those like someone saying when you're not there yeah i, sh I showed them this idea and i couldn't believe it i i saw it you know a couple of weeks later and in, in, in this ad um or whatever it may have been we're starting to get to a point here where we are getting on the same page with things. And that same thing happened in my previous job in engineering at University of Cincinnati, where it was a battle, it was a battle, it was a battle. Then things started to click and started to get really fun and exciting. And right. I can feel that happening here now. And it doesn't mean that there's not gonna be challenges still, but I think that's when we can really start bringing these personalized emails uh, yield emails, direct to students, and some of those faculty stories like we were talking about, all of those things together, and then uh, really cooking with fire, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't talk about this earlier, but I want to just bring this up just to kind of get your thoughts on it, because this is, this is something that I've been kind of noodling on a little bit in my mind, is that we're many times in a higher ed uh, environment, um, is a, I mean, there's a ton of moving parts. Um, and so, I read a book recently called Good Services. It's a book out of the UK. Um, basically, the person that kind of redesigned the UK postal service uh, in the way that it worked and operated is a creative person. And and so when I hear, hear you know Rizzo's come in and 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 a lot of times I'll hear these incredible talented creative people on campuses that that are just creative sol problem solvers. I think about the fact that when I meet with a campus and they're like, you know, I'm like, what are some of the enrollment challenges? Well, uh, you know, I, I talk to students. It's like, well, the advisors don't really seem to care. And they, they, you know, we have this or I never can understand my financial aid letter when I get it in the mail. I, there's so many things that I think that we as marketers can breathe into that goes back to what you said earlier about putting your name and being courageous and stepping up on everybody's campus. I'm sure there are things that everybody knows that, you know what, fan, financial aid is a little bit of a rough, rough patch here. Why not as creative people, as, as marketers, can't we figure out how to help solve that and, and not come in and take over, but come in and, 
and say, hey, we're going to apply some creative solutions to this. I mean, I, Troy, I'm thinking about Earl Went, who was on a couple uh, episodes ago, you know, from, from Maribridge Consulting, talking about the uh, Change by Design book from Tim Brown. And, and I think there's a lot of resources out there. And so I'm just curious, Nate, when you hear that, I mean, where do you go with that as a, as a, as a higher ed marketer? I mean, is that something that's like, eh, that, that, that's a little bit, or is that something like, boy, that could make a difference in my work? That you're right on. And the, the sparks are flying. They might be small, but they're flying around my brain almost to the point where I can't keep track <laughs> of, of what I'm, what I want to say exactly. But yet that opportunity is right there for, for us to take, for anyone to take, to, we're inside the echo chamber of higher ed where we hear about FAFSA and we hear about the registrar and we hear about the bursar nobody knows what those things mean nope. outside of our world and we talk about them like everyone should know and if we're going to talk about equity and inclusion like i am very uh try to be as involved in as i possibly can that's an equity and inclusion issue yeah saying things in a way that people can understand and not make them feel like they're behind for not understanding. And I think in many cases, we leave that to the admissions counselors to make a huge lift there with a, with a first generation student. When, if we would do the hard work of figuring out how do we explain this in a way that will make sense to that potential student, to their parents, their grandparents, their, the person who is there, who's living with them, whatever the case may be in a million different situations, those are the type of things that we can be doing in marketing and communication to help move that. And the great thing is, is it doesn't hurt anything. No. If, if more people understand it, the, that's better. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me kind of go off and riff on that a little bit. Nate, we always love our conversations with you. You're always so informative and fun. And unfortunately, we have to bring this conversation to a close. But we would like to know if there's a piece of advice that you would like to offer our audience that could be implemented right away based on some of the things that we've talked about. What would that piece of advice be? I thought about this just as I was driving over and it's move out day. So it, it was a really stressful drive to get over <laughs> here um, at the time. But I, I, I did have time to think. And my answer is to take advantage of the people you are working for. There's a better way to say that. Mm -hmm. But find what value they can bring to your career. Mm -hmm. I am just so fortunate in so many ways that I have had great mentors. Mark Anderson at Wright State, who's their marketing director, hired me as a web content specialist, helped me along, was very honest with me with what the promotional opportunities might be there. So then I, I moved to University of Cincinnati, got really lucky to be at a place where someone retired and I was able to move into the marketing director role. And so that at that point, talking to assistant deans and talking to other marketing directors across the university and now moving into this role where I'm it's it's a new role and it's a different kind of role and not many people have it or do it or have done it. There are there are some, but finding people who can help you there. I didn't realize that early in my career. I, I thought oh, I, I can bulldog my way through this and I'm I'm, you know, I'm going to be so creative that they're not going to be able to deny it. And 
it's all of those people, all of those people on your team. Your podcast alone has has helped in that way too. You know, I I honestly saw an opportunity there. You all have a great audience, and uh, if it's something that gets these ideas out there, then then that just helps everybody. So, hopefully, within all of there, there's a there's a there's some uh, coherent advice, but really just appreciate in the best way possible not as bad as it sounds but take advantage of those people who yeah. are leading you and helping you in your career because they all have something to offer you yep nate thank you very much and i would argue that you have a lot to offer to others and with that would like to know if someone would like to reach out to you what would be the best way for them to do so I am one of those embarrassing people that don't know my Twitter handle. <laughs> if you search Nate Jorgensen, I'm sure you'll find me. I have the Miami University stuff up. I'm at Miami University in Ohio, so miamioh.edu. And if you search me there, you can find my email. And I really do, I would love to hear from more people who are centralizing their offices in the way that we are here because there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, just existing knowledge that we can draw from. And if I had someone who was knowledgeable in that or that who I could help, I would love to make that connection along with any others. Thank you, Nate. Bart, what are your final thoughts before we close the podcast? Yeah, Nate has a has a number of great things here. I mean, obviously, they're doing a great job with the yield uh, emails and, and really personalizing that for with the stories. One thing I did want to kind of point out, because it kind of bookended this conversation at the very beginning, you know, Nate talked about some of the things that he's learned recently. And it was that idea of being curious. And I have to give uh, Nate some some uh, creds on this because he, you know, he was very curious the first time I met him because he was a listener of the podcast and he actually did from episode one, go back and listen to the Ethan Braden episode or episode two, Jamie Hunt. Every time, you know, we're on episode 126 now, I think every time we've always asked our guests, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Both Ethan and Jamie did that. And you know what? Nate was curious enough that he actually reached out to them. And Jamie at the time was at University you know, Miami of Ohio, university where he is now. If I'm correct, Nate, that that job kind of came from that curiosity on the pod, on the podcast. That's 100% correct. I reached out to her because she said, uh, if you'd like to ask me any questions, I emailed her. She set up a meeting for the next day. And a year later, I was one of her senior directors. And there's a lot of luck in there, but that that is how it got started. And just to shows shows that people are out there willing to help, and no matter how um, intimidating they might seem at first. Yeah. And so again, take advantage of us on this podcast in the same way, because everybody who's on this podcast comes willingly, and they, I mean. It's it's the commitment of couple meetings and and you know it, it's not just you know showing up and I mean there's there's some effort that goes into this and so everybody who's on this podcast is on this for the good of higher ed community and so uh, take advantage of us and take advantage of, of everybody who's been on here so I just want to I just wanted to point that out because I think Nate's a good example of of how that works with this and honestly Troy we probably ought to think about putting up a some kind of community that people can, you know, everybody could jump in and just like what Nate said, ask questions about things. Maybe I'll set up a LinkedIn group or something that we can do for podcast listeners and guests and things. But um, Nate, thanks so much for being on the show. It's, it's always a pleasure to spend some time with you. You're very welcome. And thank you both. We'd also like to express a thank you to our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios, who makes us sound and look good every week. 
and of course our sponsors, Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and Ring Digital, providing lift and yield increases through precisely targeted digital ads that accurately follow your enrollment funnel lists. On behalf of our guest, Nate, my co-host Bart, and myself, Troy, thank you very much for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who is a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time.